Let us hear the word of God from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 19 to 26 and 55 to 57. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all others. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a human being. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But in this order, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word of the Lord. Well, I love Easter. And it is great to see you with us today. A couple of things, sort of housekeeping items, I guess. In your worship folder is this yellow card. We would love for you to fill it out. You might have a prayer request. You might have an answered prayer that you'd like to share with us. Every week our staff gathers and we pray for each thing on the list. So we'd encourage you to fill that out. If you're a guest with us, we'd like for you to place this in the offering plate. That's all we'd ask you to do about the offering. We'll receive that at the end of the service today. So if you could uh, be aware of that. And then also in your worship folder, the ushers gave you uh, when you came in, there's this sheet here that has some notes on it, and you may want to follow along as we go along today. A number of years ago when I was in college, uh, I worked the evening shift. I would get home around midnight, and then I would study. And one day I was studying, I should say one night, it was probably one or two in the morning, and I was sitting at the kitchen table in our apartment in Dallas, Texas. And I heard a noise in the back of the apartment, and it was Joyce. She had gotten out of bed, and she came walking down the hall. And as she walked into the kitchen, she, I could tell she was agitated. And she said to me, in sort of a, an odd voice, an odd look on her face, she said, Why didn't you get me up? Why didn't you get me up? I need to get breakfast ready. Well, I don't recall what I said. I just sort of mumbled something, smiling inside. And she quickly opened the refrigerator, began to get things out, put them on the counter. She rustled around in the pans, and she began to set the frying pan on the stove. And uh, I was sort of smiling to myself, and the only concern I had was, guess what was on the center of the stove? A clock. And it said something like 1 a.m. or 2 a.m., and so I could hear her bustling about. In fact, I could see her there in the kitchen getting ready to make breakfast. And all of a sudden, all commotion stopped. Uh-huh. 
And she whirled around and glared at me and she said, you, kind of spit the word out, you are going to let me fix breakfast. It's only two in the morning. And with that, the milk and eggs went back in the refrigerator and she went back down the hall and got in bed. I said, well, you know, what's wrong with breakfast at 2 a.m.? If if she wants to cook it, uh, I'll eat it. Now, you may not be used to raising your hand in church, but how many of you have ever been sleepwalking? Well, a few of us are honest. Uh, I suspect most of us, I would think, at some point have gotten up in your life and sleepwalked. And uh, sleepwalking is sort of a state, I don't know technically how a doctor would describe it, but it's sort of that state you're, you're not asleep and you're not awake. You can see and you can hear, you can make it down the stairs or down the hall, but there's something not quite right. And even that day, as Joyce came to the uh, kitchen, I could tell, you know, something's not right. The lights are on, but uh, something going on here. And she was sleepwalking. Now, I want to ask you a question today to think about for the next few moments. Are you awake? Are you awake? This morning is Easter Sunday. You're at First Baptist Church, Pasadena. You had breakfast. How many of you had a good breakfast here at the church? Wasn't that amazing? Uh, Our church leaders, the board, fixed that breakfast. They were here last night. They were here very early this morning. And give them a round of applause, would you? That That was a lot of breakfast. It was a lot of breakfast. We appreciate their service. So you had breakfast, and uh, if, you, if you're not sure whether you're still asleep or awake, you might pinch yourself. Don't pinch your neighbor. But I want you to think about the question, are you awake? And it wouldn't be a bad idea if you found something to write with and found this sheet of paper, and there's a pencil in your pew or something like that. And I'd like to uh, encourage you to maybe draw a line, just a straight line across the piece of paper, and... Uh, On the one side, you could put the word fast asleep. Hopefully you can write better than me. But uh, So on the one side, you put fast asleep. And what would we put on the other side? Wide awake, of course. And I want you to be thinking about on this line, if your life were put on this line, are you fast asleep? You're not fast asleep yet. By the way, if somebody gets fast asleep while I'm talking, you, you have my permission to, to wake them up a little bit. Um, and hopefully you're wide awake, but let's talk about that. Are you uh, somewhere in between? Where, where are you in life? Are you fast asleep or are you wide awake? Now, I was uh, thinking about the message, been thinking about it a lot, and I was thinking about um, Jeff Foxworthy. You know, he's the guy that got rich and famous off these jokes You might be a redneck if, and uh, I think he's still doing these things. And so I was thinking, uh, how would we know if we're fast asleep? I mean, you know if you're fast asleep, but how do you know if you're really wide awake? You know, what does it mean to be wide awake? The old saying, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You know, are, are you really awake? Are you really living? And so I thought I would take a clue from Jeff Foxworthy. He, uh, you know, said, you might be a redneck if, um, if you get stopped by the state trooper, he asks for your ID, your ID, and you say, about what? <laughs> See, some of you aren't as awake as you think you are. You didn't get it, did you? You're sitting there saying, what does he mean? What does he mean? So you're going to have to put yourself over here somewhere. Uh, let's try another one. You might be a redneck if you've been married three times and still have the same in-laws. 
Uh, maybe move on here. I like this one, actually. You might be a redneck if you take a fishing pole to SeaWorld. That's pretty good. And uh, you might be a redneck if you think a subdivision is a math problem. Some of you are saying, what, what's, I don't understand. Uh, and the last one, I don't know, the, the reason you have this card is you can give feedback to the pastor as he speaks. Um, you might be, I don't know if I should say, you might be a redneck, this one is funny. You might be a redneck if you think dual airbags are your wife and your mother-in-law. No. <laughs> I've got a great wife and a great mother-in-law, and they know I love them dearly. Uh, anyhow, you might be fast asleep if what? You might be asleep. That's what I want to kind of start us thinking in this uh, way this morning. And what would, what would be a sign of sleepwalking through life? What are some indicators that you may be less awake than you think? And let me share a couple of indicators with you this morning. You could make a long list. We're going to keep it pretty short. But you might be sleepwalking through life... And if you like to fill in the blanks, put in the word laziness, if laziness is a part of your life. The book of Proverbs is a great book. Now, I hope you're a Bible reader, but if you're not a Bible reader, uh, I encourage you, you might want to read the Proverbs. They're easy, there's something in there for you every day. And in Proverbs chapter 6, it talks about ants, and it gives a lesson from the ants. And the scripture says this, let me read it to you, but you lazy bones, how long... Will you sleep? When will you wake up? I want you to learn this lesson. In fact, there's a lot in the Proverbs about laziness and being a sluggard and sloth. He says, I want you to learn this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Wow. (laughs) Now, I wonder if ants sleepwalk. What do you think? What the Scripture says about ants is that they store up in the wintertime. In other words, what an ant gets, they don't use all that they get. They save some. And so as you think about are you wide awake or fast asleep, uh, laziness can be an indicator that you're more asleep than awake. You're not as awake as you could be if you're lazy. Now, I want to go to another one. Uh, another indicator that you might be more asleep than awake is if you're living in darkness. Now, we all know what it means to be in darkness. When the lights are completely out, you cannot see. You don't go about very easily. We like to turn them off so we sleep well at night. What do you do when you're in darkness? Well, you turn on the light so you can see. And the Bible often uses the word darkness to describe not simply the physical surroundings, but our life or our our intellectual or emotional or spiritual condition. People who live in darkness lack understanding. The light's not on. They're sort of living life. They're, they're awake, but they're sleepwalking through life. Now, let me read a scripture uh, from the book of Romans that talks about living in darkness, and this would be an indicator that we're more asleep than awake. The call comes from the scripture, so let us set aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, Now, here's some signs that would be indicators of sleepwalking. Not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in fighting and jealousy. Now, think with me about that list, because that's a helpful list to know that you might be more asleep than you think. If you got high recently, if you got drunk recently, if you've been abusing medication the doctor's giving you and you're dependent on that stuff, 
then I'm, I'm sorry, but you better put yourself towards this end and not towards this end because you're more asleep than you think you are. Because, Scripture says, you're living in darkness. The light's not on. You don't actually know what's going on. What are some other things it says? Well, it says um, sexual immorality and debauchery. If your life is filled with lust and you think the, the greatest things in life are the physical pleasures, then, again, you might be more asleep than you think. Wake up, the Scripture says. Or it says fighting. Think about your past, oh, month or two or three. Uh, have you been in any fights? I'm not talking about, I don't see any black eyes, so we're not talking about fist fights. But how are your relationships? Do you get along with people? Mostly things going well with you and your in-laws and your family and your friends, mostly going well at work? You see, if you say, well, I've had some trouble here, I've got some trouble there, if there's a lot of fighting or turmoil in your relationships, maybe you're more asleep than you are awake. The darkness. And then it says jealousy, and uh, that's the last one it lists. Are you consumed by jealousy? All of these are just helpful to think about. Well, how awake am I? In other words, how much am I really living? Think about it. Now, another indicator or sign of sleepwalking through life, you might be sleepwalking through life, in fact, I think you are, if you're living without God. If you're living without God. I don't think you can put yourself clear over here and say, I'm wide awake if God is not central in your life. Now, I don't think you'd be in Sunday morning Easter service either if God didn't have some place in your life. So, thank you again for being here. We are here to worship God. This morning, how awake are you? That's the question I'd like for us to be uh, turning over in our minds. How awake are you? Uh, Some of us will remember, if you're real young, you may not know the name Peggy Lee, but uh, Peggy Lee was a very popular composer singer, and she passed away in 2002. She had a phenomenal song she did called Fever. She had another song called Is That All There Is? And it was sort of a song-speaking thing. She would speak part of the verse, and then she'd sing the chorus and speak it. And it's a song, I don't know, hopefully it didn't describe her life, but the words were, uh, it was a very dark song, just uh, very sarcastic about life. And she began by saying, when I was a little girl, the house burned down, and then she says, is that all there is to fire? It's like, oh, so what? And then she says, my father took me to the circus, and she's, instead of this thrill of the circus, is that all there is to the circus, she says. And then she goes on to the end of the song, talks about, well, if, if you're so bad in life, why don't you commit suicide? She says, no, I'm going to wait for the final disappointment. And the chorus, I'll read you the words, you've got them here. Um, she says, is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friend, let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball. Is that all there is? Wow. Bummer. Now, how would you describe your life? Awake, asleep? Uh, If somebody had talked to you yesterday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and said, How's life? Would you say, That's a bummer. Life sucks. Life's bad. How do you think about life? That's another way of asking the question, Are you awake? What is life for you? You know, how would you rate your life? Is, is life uh, great, not so great? You're just kind of existing? Peggy Lee's song uh, talks about life without God, and it's just like, if that's all there is, let's get drunk. Hi, there's not much else going on. Better create our own excitement. And this morning, I want to encourage you with the question, are you awake? What does it mean to be really awake? And I want to give you an Easter challenge to wake up. 
In fact, this would be a good time just to slow down. Turn to your neighbor and say, wake up, would you, just in case. Thank you. Everybody awake? Good. I appreciate the help. I need all the help I can get. Thanks for not saying amen. Now, what about it? Where would you place yourself? And probably day by day it might change, but are you sort of sleepwalking through life, or is there a sense of being alive? Do you get up in the morning and say, wow, it's great to be alive? You know, I used to have a friend that'd say, how are you doing? He'd say, well, I'm still able to sit up and take nourishment. Well, that's good, but uh, it could be better, <laughs> Right? So again, my challenge to you is this Easter Sunday morning, wake up! Wake up! Let's read a couple scriptures together. It's really a challenge that flows out of some of the New Testament writings. The good doctor said this year we were not going to study the Gospels for Lent. We were going to study things outside the Gospels. And so, David, I followed your lead with the Easter message and said, let's talk about the resurrection and Easter outside the Gospels. And I'd like to read this scripture. Let's read it together. So if you'd read this Scripture, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. You see that Scripture? Uh, Understand the present time. The hour has already come to wake up from your slumber. Salvation is near. Wake up. Now let's read the next Scripture. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And the Bible, especially the early Christians, used to use this phrase about waking up, meaning the light of God has come into your life. Your life without God is like sleeping. And when you come to God, it's like waking up. Another way it's expressed in the Bible is your life without God is like walking around in the dark. You stumble, you fall. When you come to God, you wake up because the light is on. In fact, Christ over and over said, I am the light. I'm the light of the world. And Scripture talks about letting the light of God or Christ shine on you to open your eyes, to wake you up. And so again, are you awake? Are you awake this morning? Years ago, there was a young man who, um, like a lot of young men, he liked three things, wine, women, and song. And we would say today, if he were living now, he liked to party. And his mother was a follower of Jesus, and of course, she was very concerned about her son as he grew older and older and just partied on and sort of was into a lot of sensuality. And she prayed for him, and she talked to him, and she invited him to come to Jesus. He wanted nothing to do with it. So she went to the priest and had the priest talk to him, and the priest pray for him. He wanted no part of it. Well, he tells by his own story that um, one day he was with his friend. I think his friend was Elysius, and they were in a garden, and they'd been talking. And this young man, was uh, he just knew that, you know, I'm having a great time with the women and the wine and all that stuff, but he knew there was something missing. Something was wrong. And so, as he struggled and walked in the garden, um, he kept wrestling, and the question in his head was, how long, how long? And he was sort of pacing back and forth in this question, how long? And as he was doing that, his friend sitting there, as he was in his deep thought, 
the words came to him, and it was as though he had heard a voice, the voice of a child. And the words were these, take and read. And he's like, that's weird. Take and read. And as he thought about that, he thought, did I grow up playing some childhood game where I was taught to take and read? And he couldn't think of any game. And so he's going back and forth in the garden. What does this mean, take and read? So finally, he walked over to where his friend was seated with these writings they had been reading, and he just randomly picked them up, put his finger down, and looked down, and he read these words. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, not in debauchery and in dissension and jealousy. Rather, and this is what struck him, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And it struck him, those words, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, as I read those words, it was like an assurance from heaven came into my heart. It was just some sort of change. And so he walked back to where his friend was, rolled up the scroll, put his finger on the verse he had read, and he began to tell his friend what had happened to him. He knew something had changed. I'd like to suggest, if you were graphing what had happened, he was someplace over here, and after that experience, he's way over here. He's moved. Something's happened in his soul. The man's name was Augustine. Heard of him? He wrote about it in the Confessions of St. Augustine. He wrote the book, The City of God. People still read his writings today. Along with Paul and Martin Luther King Jr. and Martin Luther and some of those guys, he's had an enormous impact on Christianity. From this verse we read this morning that converted his soul. It woke him up. It woke him up. There was a lady named Mary. Mary was a mess. And one day she met Jesus. And the Bible says that out of Jesus, Mary cast demons. You know her, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was there when Jesus died. Backtrack a couple days with me. On the first Good Friday, Mary was there. And she, no doubt, had been up all night. She had heard about the trial. She found out about the crucifixion. She went to the place of the cross. When the others left, she didn't. And she watched Jesus as they nailed him on the cross and put him on that cross put the cross in the ground, and she watched him as he struggled there. She heard him say, it is finished. She watched his head slump. She heard the Roman soldier come by and pronounce him dead. She watched and was there as Joseph and Nicodemus came and took his body down and took him to the tomb. So she knew where he was. She watched. Now, I was reflecting this week. What was it like for Mary on that first Good Friday night? Jesus was dead. She had been following him for months, perhaps a few years. The one who cast the demons out of her, he was gone. And as she struggled with her own grief that night, I wonder if Mary not only was grieving, but thought, what if the demons come back? Jesus is gone. Will the demons come back? Can you imagine her grief that night and the next day? And the next night, and as people in grief often do, she got up early on that first Sunday morning, and she said, I'll go to where Jesus is, be near the body. And she did. And you know the story. She got there, and the tomb was empty. 
And so she ran to tell James, uh, to tell John and Peter, and they ran to the tomb to see for themselves, and they did. And Mary then came back to the grave, the tomb of Jesus. And after the guys were done and had left, she was standing there weeping, crying. And the angel or the men that were there saw her and they asked her the question. I can just picture her in my mind. I've always thought Mary Magdalene Magdalene surely must have been a beautiful woman. Long hair, dark olive colored skin, big eyes, dark eyes. She was a mess. Been crying and crying. Her eyes are swollen. And the guy says to her, why are you crying? And she says, well, they've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where he is. And as she turns to go away from there, she sees in their fogginess, her sleepwalking, she sees, you know, the workers are here, somebody's here. And as she leaves the tomb, uh, someone else asks her a second time, why are you crying? And then he says, who is it you're looking for? And, and Mary again says, well, they've taken away the Lord. And she thinks it's the gardener. So she says, sir, if you know where he is, if you put him somewhere, please tell me that I may go there. And in her stupor, in this kind of sleepy state, she hears her name, Mary. Mary. And she woke up. Her life was never the same after Jesus said, Mary. Because she knew the voice. And when she looked up, she saw the face and she realized, My God, it's Jesus! He's alive. And she fell on her knees and wrapped her arms around his legs and hung on for dear life. He's alive. He's alive. And he was. She woke up. Are you awake this morning? Are you really awake? Has God's light shined into you so that you actually can see and hear like you were created to see and hear? say, Steve, what does it mean to be awake? Well, let me read one more scripture. It's printed for you here. I hope you'll take it home and think about it. To be awake means that God's light is shining in you. It means Jesus is in you. You say, well, how does Jesus come in? Well, here's what I want to read. The Bible says, what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, what? You will be saved. Period. You will be saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you've never called on the name of the Lord, it's that simple. You speak the words, Jesus is Lord, with your mouth. You believe them in your heart. And God saves you. He calls your name. He wakes you up and gives you eternal life. You say, Steve, how do I know if I'm really awake? Well, have you done that? Because that's the start to waking up. Now, I must say before I conclude, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 17:15. At the end, it says, I... When I awake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. And I believe we're not truly awake until we see Jesus face to face. We're not truly awake until we pass through the gates of death and we see God. But in this life, 
It means to be awake, that you have faith in the Lord and His light is shining. You say, well, how do I know, Steve? Well, let me ask you a couple questions. Uh, when you look up in the sky and the sun is shining, do you see the blueness of the sky? Do you actually hear the beauty of the music today? Because if you're awake, you heard it. And it was a thrill. When you, when you walk from the parking garage and you see those yellow roses just about to burst forth with glory in a few days, do you ever see the roses? Do you ever stop and smell the roses? People who sleepwalk, you know they don't smell roses? They don't see roses? Joyce and I have been admiring this camellia that I picked off a bush in, a, in our courtyard. It's been like this all week, laying in a little bowl of water on my desk. And Joyce said, that's, that's about a perfect camellia. I said, it sure is. Do you ever see perfect camellias? If you're awake, you do. When you're walking down the street and a mom's carrying her little girl and the little girl smiles at you when you see it, do you smile back? If you're awake, you do. Are you awake? Are you awake? I hope so. Jesus can wake you up. Shall we pray? And I want to bow and just allow a short time of silence. Perhaps tonight, uh, to this morning in this service, you would say, in a prayer to God, yes, Lord, come into my heart. It's open. Jesus is Lord. And on this Easter Sunday, I confess Him as Lord. Wake me up, Lord. Show me the path to true life. Father God, we are thankful for Easter. Thank you that you've sent your Son into the world to give us everlasting life. And today we confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. We thank you. We praise you. We want to live alive. We want to be able to see beauty, to hear the glory of music, to see Christ in other people to be able to live the new life, the life that Jesus intends for us to live. So, Father, I pray for each woman, each man, each young person in this room that will walk out of here more awake than we have ever been to the glory of God. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen.